You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition. This is the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Green, and we are another weekend. It is episode 45. Can you believe it? 45 episodes. of This has easily got to be the, the longest run that WOW has done in its entire existence. So, I guess thumbs up for them. You know, they, they, they continue to do it. Somebody in that, that writer's room or production room had some sense and said, stop taking this thing on hiatus, just keep going. You know, I said that only for the last couple of years, but, you know, hey, it is what it is. Uh, <clears throat> we will go into the uh, fullness of the, the episode titled Queens of Me. Now, I've been asked, like, where are you getting these titles from? Uh, on the press releases, they have them, and uh, you know, all the episodes are titled much like you would, like um, uh, Friends, for instance. You know, that they, they their whole deal was like that the one with you know, that they, they had all the episodes titled, regardless of whether you knew it or not. You probably found out about the titles later on. Well, wow, it's kind of like that. They have uh, titles for every episode that they do. Uh, and I typically get that within the press release that is sent to me to pre- pre- yeah, preview. I was going to say prepare, but prepare isn't the right word. To preview what is uh, coming up that particular week. Also, if you go to their uh, YouTube uh, channel, there's a uh, there's the, the re-upload. Now, I've talked about those re-uploads that they do. Uh, and in this case, the, the re-uploads are, are uh, an edited version of the broadcast show. That being, <clears throat> if you see the full version, which will probably be about 30 minutes or 40 minutes, somewhere somewhere within that, once they remove all the commercials and the vignettes and everything like that, that is their show. And that, that usually gets titled whatever title that they have that particular week. So uh, I hope that answers that question. No, I'm not pulling these names out of the blue, this, these are names that they have come up with on their own. I am not responsible for them whatsoever. This, this, just stuff that they they have. So, uh, just making that clear uh, <laughs> for this particular individual. So there you go. Um, let's just go ahead and get to the show. And anything else that I uh, think about at the time, but you know, while I'm doing it, I'll I'll just veer off like I normally do and talk about it. And I also want to say, hey, look. Uh, for those that may have some other uh, questions and or you <clears throat> want me to address something, uh, you can leave that in the comments. Or if I got something wrong, you can leave that in your comments. Or you can send it to me directly. Go to the WPN uh, channel on YouTube. And that'll give you a link 
when you hit the About Us page, or the About Us tab, I should say, and that'll uh, get you to where you can send the email, or you can go on WPNWrestling.com, and you can send it to me directly there. Either way works. And, of course, WPNWrestling.com is the nexus for everything that the WPN is doing. Podcasts, interviews, matches, video games, and more. Whichever one I happen to be doing that particular day. So, it is time to talk about the show. Now, we know WoW has a formula. And that formula largely begins with a full recap of whatever the main event was of the previous week. So we're not going to concern ourselves with that. Except to say that it is a, a recap of the Island Dynasty taking on the uh, the monsters, I guess. Siren, Chainsaw, and uh, the Holiday. But... <clears throat> This show opens up with a different tag team match, not a not a six person or six woman tag. It is just a standard tag team match. It is Reina Del Rey and Wrecking Ball, who are officially unofficially known as Last Call. I say officially unofficially because I heard the, the commentators refer to them as Last Call, but they never really put it on the screen or or announced them as Last Call. So I don't know if if it's a case of the commentators. Know something that the ring announcer doesn't. Uh, they're just saying things that they're just making up while they're in the, at the uh, commentating booth. I don't know. Uh, but it is last call, Reina Del Rey and Wrecking Ball taking on Steffi Slays and Jennifer Flores, who are kind of advertised as the new millennials or whatever the heck that Dave McLean. You know, he's always talking about that you know, when they come out. But all of that's unimportant because they're a job team. And I, you know, I wish I could say something differently, but that—that's pretty much what they have uh, devolved into. For whatever efforts they may have had, they—they've devolved into just being a a job team. They're—they're they're there to put the other teams over. Now, you've also heard me say within the course of the show that is not a bad thing. That's not an insult. Somebody has to do it. Um. I really wish that Steffi Slays could get something going for herself as as far as wrestling career-wise. She has done the job of being the jobber for the, the entirety of the time that she's been in this promotion. Uh, and she does not seem like she has any aspirations of leaving. I mean, so the least that they could do at some point is, you know, maybe give her a few wins here and there, but that doesn't seem like that's ever going to be the case. Uh, but this match is a squash. I mean, that, that's pretty much the best way that I could put it. it. It is a squash match. It is here to give a showcase to Last Call. That is the only purpose that this match serves. Um, the one thing I will put on, you know, as far as the review is that I don't know how they did it in the press release, but they got this wrong. Now, of course, this is not something that the average person would ever know or for that matter, you might not know it while you're listening to this, but it was sent to me as Americana and uh, Jennifer Flores, not Steffi Slays and Jennifer Flores. So I don't, I don't know what they were doing that they got, they didn't get the right person in, but this was not the right person. It, it is Steffi Slays and and Flores, your Gen Z and your Millennial apparently they get in there and take a beating. So. Uh, last call wins this easy, um, and they keep on the narrative that they are going for the tag team championships. Um, 
I'm fine with this. Nothing really exciting happening here. They just took a beating. Uh, I guess if we're going to talk about some of the the major plot points of the match, uh, Stephanie Slay has never got in the match. She was standing on the outside, and Flores took the bulk of the beating that was going on here. Wrecking Ball knocked her down to the apron, and then uh, Reina Del Rey, when Stephanie Slay tried to get back up, you know, took her down also. And that was it for Stephanie Slay. She just pretty much stayed out on the floor, and kids were out there struggling to try to pull her up and get her get her back in there so she could help her partner out. But that was not to be, as Flores basically took last call from last call and then was beaten one, two, three. And now they announced themselves that they're going for the tag team championships, which only makes me question, okay, are we preparing ourselves for a heel versus heel title match? Um, I'm not entirely sure here. That is somewhat uh, it's, it's somewhat odd that they would do that, but I, mean, I can't I can't be surprised because WoW will do things like that. And so it's, it's not going to be a real big shock if they decide they're like, all right, there's going to be these two for the titles. But anyway, uh, the next segment was the Princess Ozzy segment. This rolls into a preview for the main event. This is you know, essentially setting up why we have the tag team main event match that we have. Uh, then there's another segment following that, which is the backstage vignette of Coach Campanelli and G.I. Jane randomly walking around backstage, and they walk into each other, and and then they just decide to have a match for no other reason than they just walked into each other and said a few words. Uh, this was as basic as basic could be. This is a super basic setup. It was them in the hallway, which... Seems like the same one that they use a couple of times. But there's them in the hallway. They walk in. Oh, you're not so tough without your friends. Well, you're not so tough without your friends. Well, we'll find out. Okay. And then that was it. It was like that. That was all the motivation they needed to <laughs> start a match. Uh, so, wow. I mean, and I don't mean the promotion. I mean, I was legit surprised. Like, that's it? Seriously? You couldn't come up with anything better than that? But, uh, okay. This goes back to what I keep saying about WoW not having a lot of personality underneath their their players or their roster or whatever you want to say, wrestlers. They're superheroes. I know that's what they like to call them. But this, that, this is a very, very clear example of what I'm talking about, that there is little to no personality underneath anybody. And if they don't have a script written for them, it's almost like they don't know what to say. And this is one of those cases like that either G.I. Jane and Campanelli couldn't produce dialogue on their own or, and this is the probably more likely scenario, this was written out and that was what was written and they delivered as told. And whoever wrote this did not have anything else to say. That seems the more likely scenario. Now, I can't prove that. But that seems the more likely scenario. But it's a basic setup. The next uh, segment was just a clip of Los Angeles. I mean, they, they show some Los Angeles footage. I, I, I suppose this is a, a love letter to the city or maybe L.A. pays them to do that. I don't know. Uh, but it, it just 
seemed like just space filler. For, for the few seconds that it was on there, it was just like a little, little bit of filler. The following segment was the match. It, it was G.I. Jane versus Campanelli. And neither wrestler came out with their corner persons. Uh, Campanelli did not come out with Team Spirit. And Jane did not come out with Samantha Smart nor the disciplinarian. So this was uh, presented as a one-on-one contest. Uh, Dave McClain, during this <laughs> during the, the uh, setup for this match, just kind of mentally wandered off and started talking about putting a basketball game to- <laughs> together. I was like, what, what is he talking about? But I guess they just have to do, you know, little – Things like that. Hey, you know, we got to remind you that we're kind of hooked up with the Lakers or the owner of the Lakers, even though she does very little, you know, on camera, at least for this this show. Uh, I'm sure backstage she does a lot, but she she also seems like she has a very uh, inflated idea of what WOW can do for uh, women athletes, not just women wrestlers, but women athletes like uh and I know I've talked about this before. Like, wow, was supposed to be some sort of catch-all for women who could not do what they were supposed to be doing elsewhere. Like, if you were a volleyball player and, and now you're out of college and there's no professional volleyball, well, hey, why don't you try for wow? Which, you know, is absurd, but, you know, hey. Uh, that's the way that she perceives this. I, and... Uh, <laughs> I think it's ridiculous. I think it's just a case of her following what the WWE has done and or attempting to, because uh, Vince McMahon has been known for that or the WWE has been known for that. Let's just go find somebody. He played basketball. All right, well, we'll go train him. Now, the only difference with that is with the WWE versus WOW is that they got the money and the time to do it. I mean, they got a whole brand that's pretty much dedicated to that, you know, NXT even though they go back and forth from identifying themselves as a developmental brand or not. But um, they have the luxury of doing that. For people who are terrible and they're on uh, their WWE roster, there's a good chance that you may never even see them in a ring. With WOW, they have the bad habit of training some people and i'll say nine out of the ten people that they've trained whether they had any background in wrestling or not once they get finished with the training off the tv you go it's just it's all right they're done let's let's put them on television there are people there who just do not need to be on television they're not there yet but it's you know that's something that they are not uh taking in account right now it's just you know, they just keep moving on with trying to acquire new people. And this is not a shot on any of the persons that they pick up, but they just <clears throat> put people in a position where they have to be better than what they are at that time. Um, I was, You know, before I get into the, uh, the, the, the review of the match, I want to bring up something on their website. This is an, an article that they have with Jeannie Buss, who's the, we'll, we'll, we'll call her the payroll of wow. You know, that's, that's, that's probably the, uh, the best way that she can be described. 
Uh, what I just said was true, and that was all inside of that the article that they have listed on their site, is that she kind of views and w- wishes and wants WoW to be somewhat of a of a uh, a catch all or a, a a platform. That you know that that's probably a better way to put it. A platform to provide you know some of these ladies who began their athletic careers doing other things. Uh, the opportunity to become a wrestler. Now, that in and of itself is not wrong. I mean, it's, it's actually quite admirable that she would do that. I just wish that they had a better uh, training system to where that made more sense. As it is right now, they do not. It doesn't make a lot of sense for them to do what they're doing, or or to try to do that. Like we'll just get some people and we'll train them, and you know, and then they because they get on TV too fast, and then they don't know what they're doing, and they get lost, and they have no idea how little they know because Wow is the only place that they've had the chance to illustrate that. But you know, that's apparently what uh, Jeannie Bus's goal is. Whether she accomplished that or not is a different issue. Now, the other thing is uh, within this article, they're talking about um, while outdrawing Impact Wrestling on Access TV. Uh, Let me just read this and then I'll go into it. While is not commanding similar TV ratings to WWE or All Elite Wrestling, the company run by billionaire Tony Khan. But it is outdrawing Impact Wrestling on Access TV, arguably the third biggest wrestling company in the United States. Although Brandon Thurston, the editor of WrestleNomics.com, noted that Access was only available in about 39 million homes, about half of cable homes. In comparison, while it's available all over the United States, households with cable and runs on weekend syndicated television across station groups owned by CBS Sinclair Communications, Nextar Broadcasting, Hearst Television, and more. Is also shown in Australia and Canada. Um, That is a very accurate statement. There were a couple of times that they had placed themselves or other uh, wrestling journalists have placed them in a position like, well, they're outdrawing impact. Okay, now that is true. That is a true statement. But what we just read there, and I'm glad that they uh, included that portion of the article because it does come from someplace else. Um, what we just read there is that the reasoning behind that, and it, ha- and it needs to be addressed, is that they outdraw Impact Wrestling because they're available in more places than Impact Wrestling. That's pretty much the end-all, be-all to that. They have a bigger outlet than Impact Wrestling. So numerically speaking, they you know Impact just cannot do what WoW does unless they, you know... Unless they just get a, me- a mega surge of viewership. Because Access TV is not all that accessible. First off, you got to have a cable subscription. And I, the amount of people who have those type of cable subscriptions these days that, I, that I've seen or read about or know personally, it is just kind of dwindling down. A lot of people have cut off cable. They've been cord cutters. They just go with streaming platforms and things like that. Whether you have cable or not, you can see, wow, all you got to do is just go to Walmart or Walgreens, CBS, or wherever they have an antenna and buy it and hook it to your television, and you're done. That's it. 
That's all it requires for you to, to see WoW. And if you don't see it on there, then you probably do like this. You just go on YouTube and then look at the matches from that point on. But they outdraw based on those things. Head-to-head, I'm not sure if WoW can do what Impact Wrestling does. Um, the other... The other points that Impact Wrestling has that I guess aren't really addressed is they they kind of go from one location to the next, whereas WoW is you know and and rightfully so. I'm not saying that WoW is any position to move around. WoW is centrally located. WoW is in one location, whereas Impact seems to go from one location to the next per taping, not necessarily every week, but per taping. Um, based on those tapings, they outdraw them. Physically, with the the amount of people that they get into the buildings, uh, <clears throat> and the amount of people that they get into the the pay per view events, so they do that, and of course they have the uh, the pay per views themselves, uh, wherever they may be located, and uh, they still do a couple of shows. I know they partner with a, a few promotions to kind of get around needing to do house shows necessarily, but you get the point here is that they, there's other dynamics that are involved that allows WoW to be an outdrawing uh, television property. Not to discount WoW because, hey, look, that's that's the deal that they negotiated and they should not apologize for that. They shouldn't apologize for the fact that they're on television and Impact Wrestling is not. So I don't want to, you know, put them in a position where it's like, oh, they only getting this because they get. That's true, but that's not their fault. That that is what they should be doing. They should be trying to get as much as they can. That said, and then we go into the match. They could probably learn something from Impact or NWA or MLW. Uh, it, it's been almost a year of while having a show, and none of these episodes lead towards a big tent pole event even if it's just a tv special for free nothing leads to anything they lead to specific matches but they don't lead to all right guys it is this is wild unleashed and it's going to be on pluto tv or blah 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 you know that doesn't happen uh, if wild was going to proceed and advance and evolve they have a few things that they still need to do. One of which is advertise their own stuff. They almost never advertise anything that they have. I've asked several people, are you aware that Y has another TV show? Are you aware that Y has a docu-series on Pluto? Are you aware that they have a documentary on women of wrestling? Are you aware of any of that? And I know I brought this up on the the previous podcast, so I'm trying to wrap this up. They do a poor job of advertising themselves, whereas other promotions, they live and die off of it because they're trying to get you to purchase that merchandise or watch their extra shows or see that they have extra shows that might be on in a different market or a different platform or whatever, trying to get you to order that uh, that pay-per-view or subscribe to their streaming service. They are constantly trying to get you to stick with and or support their efforts. Whereas WoW kind of exists on the narrative that we're WoW and it's good enough. So 
all of that to say, wow is fine. I don't agree necessarily with Genie Bus's idea to to make them some sort of platform to grab other people. I mean, it would be fine if they took more time with them or if they sent them out, if they made them learn wrestling from top to bottom rather than just getting people who probably had no interest in being a wrestler anyway, just want to be on TV. <clears throat> Those things would be better. And as a company, yes, they do fine as far as outdrawing um, impact, but we'll never know whether the numbers that they get are the numbers that they need. And we'll move on from there. So the match, G.I. Jane, that was a long way around to get back to this thing. The, the match, G.I. Jane and Coach Campanelli, uh, <clears throat> this is the second match of the show. Like I said, they, they kind of wandered off and started talking about basketball, kind of like I just wandered off there and started talking about other stuff. Um, One of the first notes that I put down in this is I, I, that I guess G.I. Jane's boot camp kick is no longer a finish. And that has been ruined. Because there's a point in the match where G.I. Jane pops Campanelli with the big boot right to the chest, which had been identified as a finisher at one point in an earlier match. But it is, she hit Campanelli with it. Campanelli kicked out that the boot is worthless now. It is, it is no longer a viable finish. It's been proven to be a, a pointless move. So... <laughs> it's, it's another one of those things that I was like, you know, they, they really don't educate their audience to what is the the big move that this person has either. Either, you know, either G.I. Jane is just green and she didn't know what else to do other than the big boot when she should have saved it for, she shouldn't even use it. I shouldn't even say say, she shouldn't have even used that move. If the boot is going to be her finish, then she needs to, and she's going to lose, and she's going to do the job. She shouldn't be putting that boot on anybody and then allowing them to kick out. It should have been a protected finish. But it's not protected because she hit uh, Campanelli with it as Campanelli uh, sprung off the ropes. Jane did a reversal, shot her in. Caught her with the big boot, hit her. But Campanelli got out, and I would say with relative ease. So <clears throat> I think that it's safe to say that we can now – just forget about the the boot altogether, which is a shame. Uh, this match is a, a beyond it having a backstage interaction is another cold match. Didn't do anything for anybody. Didn't go anywhere. The end of it, uh, G.I. Jane gets Campanelli in a over-the-shoulder backbreaker. Now, we don't know what she was going to do with that because Campanelli was able to slip out. And she popped her with an unprettier because she didn't have a real name for it of her, of her own. So she hits G.I. Jane with that. One, two, three. The match is done. Coach Campanelli is the winner. Campanelli is still a protected commodity in WoW. And even though I've, I, she is an enigma to me, I have no idea if she's supposed to be a baby face, if she's supposed to be a heel. I mean, I just do not know with Campanelli. The only thing that I do know of Campanelli is that she is Mo and Ariel Sky and Randy Rara are Larry and Curly. That's pretty much where that team starts and stops for me. 
Um, so Campanelli wins with the Unprettier. Nothing, nothing to that match. It's just, just a match. Next segment, we got a video package that is designed to make the heavy metal sisters look intimidating. Uh, that is a, a real challenge. And the note that I put down is, wow, better thank those editors for the, the, the package that they cut together here. This is probably the most that you could do to make them look intimidating. To make them come across like badasses, to just make them look like we are the roughest and the toughest of this promotion. Um, they, the editors or editor, whichever, took clips and cut in on the action and flashed on the action like when the steel chair blatantly missed Jesse Jones' leg. They they did a quick flash to take that out of you know out of your eyesight. So if you didn't see it before, you wouldn't know it now. And there's a bunch of things like that. And and they set the tone that they are the the badass team. But how many badass teams can you have? Because we got last call, and they're basically like they're road warriors now. So where this is going, then you got the Tonga Twins. Another, you know, another team that's kind of built around in their universe as the power team. So I don't know. I don't know where they're going with this or what, what they're trying to get from it. But this is not only to set up the uh, the heavy metal sisters, but it also plays into uh, setting up Fury for her next match. Uh, the editor did make this look good, but the heavy metal sisters do not come across as mean or violent. They 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 just don't. Uh, they're fine, but they. What about them? Separates them from everybody else. What is it about the heavy metal sisters that separates them as being a mean or violent team opposed to Last Call or opposed to the Tongans or, you know, opposed to Siren and the Holiday or whoever? What is it that makes them different? This is the thing that I have been concerned with with WoW, and I know I've said it, but WoW is getting to a point where they just have a bunch of interchangeable parts. Where is I could just as easily take that match out and drop another one in and it wouldn't it wouldn't affect anything. If I took last call and I stuck them in this match to say, or if I took one half of last call and say, okay, we're gonna have Reagan Ball out here, she's gonna take on Sandy Shore, and we're gonna keep Raina Del Rey in the corner. Would it really have changed anything in this scenario? No. They're interchangeable parts. There's no personality being illustrated here, so we can't lean on that. There's no personal issue here, so we can't lean on that. And there's no titles on the line here, so we can't lean on that either. It's just it's just a match. Yes, cold matches have to happen. But when we're trying to build someone or get some point about them over, it seems like this becomes, I'm hesitant to say a waste, but it's almost like a waste. It's like a waste of time to have them 
be there and not really have anything for them to do. It's just a series of one matches after the other. So, in this instance, the third match of the show is Fury, who seems to be working more singles matches lately, coming out with Razor and Mesmera. Now, if you listen to this for any length of time, you already know what I feel about Mesmera. I, I, I just do not understand Mesmera or her purpose or what she brings to the team. She She's just... She's just there. Mesmera is just there. The, the heavy metal sisters would be perfectly fine if it was just Razor and Fury. At this point, they don't need a manager. Because Mesmera doesn't manage. She doesn't speak for them. She barely interferes. If she does interfere, it's right alongside of Razor. So she doesn't have anything that is unique to her. And then when somebody does speak for the team, and Razor does it. So I... It, it, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. <sighs> so, one of the commentators, I forget who, said something stupid to the effect that Sandy Shore has been impressive. Impressive how? <laughs> what in her wrestling resume on wild television, mind you, has been impressive? She's lost Every match that she's been in so far. Where's the impressiveness here? You don't go to your local football you know, game and talk about how impressive the losing team is, especially when they've been on a losing streak. No commentator in their right mind would say that. Something would have been better. It's like, you know, she's got she's got potential and she needs, you know, maybe to get some more experience under her or get get her legs underneath or, or figure out what it is that that missing element. I know she's got talent is in there, but she's got to get out of this this losing streak. Something. But to get on camera or get on TV and like, oh yeah, she's been very impressive. I don't I'm impressive with what? I don't care how close she might have gotten to winning the match. She hadn't won. And that's what counts, winning. Sandshore got a few hope spots in here. She did do the whole wrestler thing. Where she, I will give credit in the regards of how she presented the match. Sandy Shore was looking to win. She went for several covers, roll-ups and, and, and things like that. She did what she had to try to do to score a pinfall victory. Did not happen, but she tried. In the kayfabe universe of WoW, the point of this match that I didn't understand was why she came out there by herself. Now, Fury is out there with both members of you know, both other members of the heavy metal system. She's out there with Mesmer. She's out there with Razor. Now, regardless to whether Mesmer does anything or not, or did anything or not, it wouldn't have made a difference because she was there and she could do something. Uh, <clears throat> Sandy Shore, who has allegedly a tag team partner in Crystal Waters, 
There should have been no reason that Crystal Waters did not come out the ringside to watch her partner's back. There's no reason for it. Why would she not come out there when she's clearly outnumbered? It is an act of stupidity. Mesmera, when uh, Fury knocks Sandy Shore down in the corner, starts tossing these uh, baby punches at the uh, at the ribs and the abdomen of Sandy Shore. Not really sure where that was going. I mean, I guess that's the, the most that she was able to do. Uh, Razor pretty much does a similar thing when uh, Sandy Shore gets tossed into another corner. And then it turns into Fury just being Fury. She's beating her up and illustrating that she's bigger and stronger. And that for the most part, I can take you, you know, I'm not going to say take you when I want because Sandy Shore does fight back. But when Fury brings the thunder, Fury brings the thunder. I mean, she gave her a backhand at one point. She, she hit it with the pimp hand in this. Just smacked right across the back. knocked it. I mean, right across the face and knocked it out. Mesmera did do or attempt to do something, gave her a, a headbutt, her being Sandy Shore on the outside. That's probably the most amount of effort that I've seen her do. And then Razor throws Sandy Shore into a steel post and puts her back into the ring to the mercy of Fury. Again, where are Crystal Waters? And, well, I mean, I was going to get ahead of myself, but at the very least, where is Crystal Waters here? Why would you send your partner out to the lion's den by herself? I mean, Sandy Shore could have still lost, which she did, but she could have still lost the match. But why would you send her out there in this, you know, completely lopsided uh, matchup? There are points in the match, and I have it down in my notes, that there were hope spots in here. There are points in here where it looked like Shore could have won. They, they gave her the, the, the hope that she could pull it off. But as she did that, Mesmera gets up and distracts the referee. And how about that? Mesmer actually did something. And while she's distracting the referee, Razor gets in the ring, drops uh, Sandy Shore, which provides just enough of a distraction because the referee is too blind and uh, couldn't hear what was going on two inches behind her to, to know that somebody had interfered. Fury hits uh, the Sandy Shore with the flight of Fury, drops her one, two, three, and then the heavy metal sisters just get in and start kicking her. Just because we're the heavy metal sisters, and that's what we do. And no less than two seconds later after that happens, here comes Americana and Crystal Waters. Which I guess that's fine that they came out and saved her from a further beating. But why were they not out there to begin with? I mean, even if there was a case of, hey, guys, I want to go out there and do it by myself and, you know, let me see how this is going to work. After they completely start interfering and and cheating relentlessly, why wouldn't you come out then? Some friends you are. So, <laughs> so that, yeah, that, that was that was nothing. And even with this, even with this scenario, Americana says nothing about getting even. Now, some of you out there might be listening, asking, getting even for what? Well, they, yeah, that's a good point because it's not like they talk about it often. 
But a couple of weeks ago, Americana was complaining, and I, that's the only way I can really say it, complaining, on the microphone about Jesse Jones, you know, I'm getting revenge from a part that y'all injured her, she can't wrestle again. So we, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, I, and, and I'm not talking about in reality. I don't know if in the wild universe that's true or not if she's going to show back up. I assume not if they got on camera and said that she can't wrestle again because that would just be idiotic if they did it. So uh, she a couple of weeks ago, she talked about that, talked about them uh, ruining her partner. So that was a storyline that never went anywhere either where – Jesse Jones and Americana seemingly were having friction because Americana couldn't concentrate for two seconds while her son was out at ringside. So that that's a dropped angle. Another of many. And the broken tablet that apparently the heavy metal sisters did. They just decided that, hey, you know, he's got a tablet, let's break it. That, you know, they didn't even bring that up. Americana didn't bring that up, didn't talk to him, didn't address him, didn't get on the microphone, didn't want to beat him up, nothing. Just just let them kind of run. After we save him, save uh, Sandy Shore, just let her run off. Let them run off. It is hard to get emotionally involved or attached to an angle or storyline or whatever when the wrestlers themselves are barely in it. Americana's barely in this. And if I were a betting man, that angle's probably going to be dropped if it hasn't been dropped already. It's, it's just a waste of absolute airtime. That is what Genie Bus is paying for. And yeah, sometimes you can't control it. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes you do not have the ability to fix that because of scheduling or, you know, people dropping out or no call, no show. I mean, there's any number of reasons that you have to abruptly cut off an angle or a storyline or whatever progressions that you may have. But when you got the amount of it that they do, they need to fix it. That's all it comes down to. When you have the amount of times where you have continuity errors and angles and storylines that are just completely dropped without any rhyme, reason, or resolution, then they need to figure out a way to fix that. That's what they should be doing. They need to figure out a way to fix all of that. So this is a a more competitive match, but this is a a match for Fury. Where that's going, I don't know. My best case scenario is I hope that it gets to the Heavy Metal Sisters wrestling against Americana and Spring Break 24-7, but that sounds like it would just be a handicap match because I doubt that Mesmer would do anything if they do have that match. The next segment was a preview for the main event. It's a video package featuring uh, Princess Ozzy. And the narrative here being that Ozzy hasn't won the title no matter how close she got. Now, this is another one of those things that bothers me with WoW. The, the whole, let's just create a, create a narrative out the blue because it sounds good. When was she chasing the title? She hadn't chased the title this entire year. I mean, I know that they don't, you know, they haven't f- fulfilled an entire calendar year yet. 
But they're 40, 45 weeks into this thing. When did she ever chase the title? When did she even mention that she wanted the title? I mean, I'm sure that she does, but when, when has there been a problem to, to illustrate that? If there's one thing I can say for the Tonga Twins, and, and I would, that, they need some more verbiage now. They need to be better linguists. But if there's one thing I can say for the Tonga Twins, they, at least they've been consistent in telling people we are coming for the tag team championships. They have made that clear, and they made no bones about it, and it has been repeated. Now, it's been repeated too much. They need to change some of the – they need to change the tune just a little bit. But the point of it is clear. Princess Ozzy has never done that. So I don't know what this idea of what they have a voiceover with Stevie Dickey talking about – uh, Ozzy hasn't won the title no matter how close she got. When was she close? And I'm not talking about two and three seasons ago. I'm talking about now. <laughs> this is this is the one that people are watching now. They're, they're not identifying with most of the stuff that they did on Access TV anyway. So what do we? Why would we address that? And that was two two and a half, maybe three years ago now. So again, why would you address that? That's not a chase to me. That's just a rant. It, let's just assume because she probably does have one. But let's just assume that she had a title match in there. Well, how many did you have? One, maybe two over the course of three years? That's not a chase. That's just a match. The chase is when you are going through every hurdle possible to get that opportunity to get another chance at the title. Steve Austin was, was on a chase for the championship. And you got to go through the corporation and jump through Vince's hoops and things like that. And you could probably go through any number of people. That, that, Jay, Alexander, I forget his, uh, his first name right now, but the champion that was in, in Impact Wrestling. When he got beat by Moose within 30 seconds of winning the title, he had to chase the championship. Those are chases. Dusty Rose going after Ric Flair and having to deal with the horseman. That was a chase. Going after the championship and going after the championship with multiple obstacles in route of whatever. I shouldn't even say the championship. In route of whatever goal that you're trying to achieve is a chase because it doesn't always have to be a championship. Sometimes it just might be a match. But no one here has chased the title. The Tonga Twins might be the exception to that, but no one here has chased a championship. They just have championship matches. And with almost no build to them whatsoever, they're just like, next week is a title match. Like, huh? So, So I don't know where the idea or the narrative of the chase comes in because they're doing what WoW does. They're identifying things that haven't happened on their TV show. Uh, They also say this is no longer about the WoW championship in this video package. And, And again, when was it ever? When was it ever? In the previous podcast, I said something to the effect of the commentating team is getting bad for me. This is another one of those cases that this this commentating team is getting bad. 
And some of that lies at the feet of David McLean because he is overpowering, not necessarily in terms of his uh, his voice. It's, it's not like he has this booming voice of God and everybody has to pay attention. It's just he's the boss, and they're going to kowtow to him, and they're going to fall in line of what he's saying. When he starts talking about goofy stuff, they start talking about goofy stuff. When he starts screwing around and telling jokes on there, they join in, regardless of what the situation is that's going on in the ring. So, I mean, it, he, he's weighing that down. The second half of what's causing that commentating team, and, and I'm including the voiceover packages in this, is the narrative that, again, probably Dave McClain wants to pass off. I keep saying I, that, A, I don't know who they make this show for, and, B, this has to be a show for kids, because then, or, or at least people with short-term memory and or kids. People who are not going to question it. And that's what this comes across like. It's like we can say what we want because no one's ever going to question it. We can just change what actually happened because no one will remember it. But this is not going to get better. No while has not probably grown their audience. I sincerely doubt that they have. But if they ever do, or if they ever attempt to grow the audience, things like this is what's going to cause them to be get the channel changed on them. When the annoyance of the commentator team not being trustworthy to their own product begins to take precedence, and, it, and that will happen. I stand by that. That will happen. They have their core audience right now. They have wild viewers right now. But if they ever get to the point where they start expanding or trying to draw in new viewers and whatnot, and they lean into that wrestling audience, the same wrestling audience that watches AEW and MLW and NWA and, and WWE and, and everything in between, the ones that watch those shows and then criticize the shows, the ones that watch it, and like, wait a minute, that didn't happen. Or the ones that watch like, oh, man, I wish so-and-so would do better. Or that I wish they'd give them a push. And everything else. If WoW ever touches that audience, if they ever get their toe dipped into the water where that audience resides, this is where that commentating team will feel the bite of it. Right now, they exist in a universe where their fans are going to do the same thing they do every week. Get on their page and this is great. Wow, you guys are fantastic. Heart, heart, heart. You're so beautiful. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And they had the means to stop this. And yeah, they're going to get some people that that might uh, that that might disagree if if they start actually keeping up with things. I mean, I I guess the I guess that's you know that's that's part of course. But you have to do it at some point. So anyway, let's get to the main event of the show, which was Fabulous Four members, Penelope Pink and Vicky Lynn McCoy, the glue, 
the glue of the Fabulous Four, the one that everybody has to go through in order to get a championship shot, only they don't. Along with Lana Starr, the person who picks out, handpicks all the opponents for her champions so that she has complete control over who the challenges are, only she doesn't. Another case of those narratives being controlled and changed at the whims of Wow and his commentating team. Uh, this is um, maybe the only match of the show that had anything behind it. The only uh, narrative there is what you got with Princess Ozzy. This is more about Princess Ozzy somehow rather than Candy Crush. Candy Crush was the one that went after the championship and lost and was almost beaten up after the show. But this is more about Princess Ozzy rather than Candy Crush. I'm not sure why or how. If anything, this should be a, a point of, of effort to start the chase for Crush. It would be the continuation of a feud. You see how that would go? But they're not doing that. And they're just uh, migrating this over to uh, Princess Ozzy, apparently. The baby faces come into the ring and they jumpstart this thing. I guess this is the let's get even mode. But they rush the ring and then as soon as they rush in, the heels come after them. Something happened with uh, Penelope Pink when they when they did this. I'm, I'm not sure what. I think she just supposed to slid out. But it did. when she did it, it was off camera so we couldn't really see. So what happens is the, the baby faces charge the ring. The heels come at them. <clears throat> baby faces dug underneath the clothesline. And the heels go back into the ropes where they duck underneath the uh, baby faces. But as they're coming into the ropes, like I said, uh, Pink disappears. Assumably she slid out. I'm like 99% sure that's what happened. But I, again, the camera was off of her, so I can't tell. Uh, and then the baby faces Ozzy and Crush drop uh, Vicky Lynn McCoy, and then she rolls out of the ring. So that is where the match officially begins. And it starts off with Crush and Vicky Lynn. Uh, this, this was probably, the, well, I'm not even going to say probably. It is the match where I put the note down that I am losing faith in the commentating team. There's too many false narratives being told. I, I know that McLean just, you know, he likes to control his universe. Nothing wrong with that. But at least have some shred of credibility when you're doing it. I mean, almost every wrestling promoter I've, I've ever seen and or known has fabricated information to the audience at some point. It's just a matter of how much of this are you going to fabricate and, and how believable are you going to make it come across as. I mean, I, I, the Jerry uh, Jarrett rule is if, I tell you, if A is true and B is true and C is true, then odds are you going to believe me when I get to D. Now, that's not verbatim, but you get the point. It has to have some narrative of truth into it, but WoW doesn't even bother. They're just like, hey, this is what happened. <laughs> so... I don't I don't know what that what the uh commentating team is doing, but they they're getting bad. And I've I've said that a couple of times, but they're getting bad. 
Uh, there's a point in the match that I have no idea why Candy Crush did this. She comes in like a house of fire. Princess Ozzy made the hot tag or a hot tag, not the hot tag. Crush charges across the ring, drops Penelope Pink. Then she has Vicky Lynn, and she's looking like she's in control. She's popping her with fists, gets her into the corner. And then, for some reason, she decides to turn around and face nobody and say, let's go. So Vicky Lynn could come out and clothesline her in the back of the head. That was just babyface stupidity. There was no, no reason for her to turn her back to her opponent. So <clears throat> Vicky Lynn gets the, uh, the heat on the Candy Crush for a good chunk of this match. Now, if the narrative that they want to tell about Vicky Lynn is that she's a bruiser and that she enjoys punishing people and that she, uh, given the opportunity, goes out of her way to eliminate whatever threats could exist to the wild championship and Penelope Pink, then that would be absolutely acceptable. But them constantly carrying on about, and Vicky Lynn's the glue. I don't think they would have these titles if not for Vicky Lynn. I, that is just so, it, it, it's getting to the point of annoyance now. It's, it's so ridiculous. That, that they have no issue just making up stuff at, at the drop of a dime for, for their wild participants. So anyway... We got another big tag from Crush. She makes it over to uh, Princess Ozzy. Ozzy comes in, ducks underneath Penelope Pink, does a dropkick, drops Vicky Lynn off of the apron, and then she takes over on Penelope Pink. Hits with a couple of big moves, and before she goes for the cover, Vicky Lynn pulls her out of the ring, which is a perfect setup for them to sit on the outside while uh, Princess Ozzy does a dive through the second and bottom rope to take out uh, both members of the Fabulous Four. And the kids in the front row are going wild. They want high fives and everything. Which is another one of those cases of like, I'm not sure who they make this for, but, you know, my from betting man, I'm going to say that they make it for kids. <laughs> That's what it seems most uh, like they appeal to mostly. Ozzy goes outside. Well, I already said she went outside. But when she, while she's outside, she takes middle to pink and she puts her back into the ring. Here's a portion of the match that I, it didn't make any sort of sense to me at all. I don't know if this is just a case of everybody's green or they just tried to do something and on, on paper it made sense, but it didn't in, in uh, application. But while they were on the floor, Ozzy gets Penelope Pink back into the ring. Candy Crush is standing on her side of the ring, and for some reason, Vicky Lynn decides to walk towards the opposite side of her ring corner towards Candy Crush. There's really no justified reason that she should be walking in this direction other than I'm ready to leave. And that didn't seem to be the case. And if it were the case, that completely contradicts everything that they tried to paint Vicky Lynn as being. So she walks t- 
towards them, but then we find out why she's walking towards them because Candy Crush comes off the apron and does a little cannonball and and uh, drops Vicky Lynn. That was the sole reason that Vicky Lynn walked over in that direction because it, it there was no reason otherwise beyond the fact that we had to give Candy Crush something to do. And just before it happens, you see Princess are like, come on. You know, and I just, I didn't understand what this was for. And I, I miscalled that. I didn't mean cannonball. I was thinking about somebody else, actually. But uh, no, it was, it was like a superwoman punch. I forget what it is, the candy crusher or something like that. So she does her little superwoman punch off the apron and knocks out uh, Vicky Lynn. Again, don't know why she was going that way, but that's what happened. So in the ring, while Vicky Lynn is out and, you know, down and out on the outside, Penelope Pink tries to hit Princess Oz. Like, she tries with a front swing, tries with a back swing. Ozzy gets out of the way of both of those and then nails her with a, with a cutter. I, I guess that's one of her new finishers or second finisher or something like that. But she hits it with a, with a cutter, and it's a beautiful cutter. It's, it is a beautiful cutter. I mean, Diamond Dallas Page and Randy Orton would be proud with the, with the application that she put on there. Uh, and nothing said here is about the talents of any of these women. All, all four of them have been very good. It's just the, the stuff around them makes it so bad. The commentators should have just, just called a match. Just forget trying to control the narrative of this. Just call it a match. It probably would have been a, a, a less egregious thing if they just called and like, hey, all right, just fine. So you have that. Ozzy hits it with the cutter, pins the champion, one, two, three, and the baby faces win. The note that I had was, is this building Ozzy? I was, you know, correct earlier when I said this is all about Princess Ozzy in this thing. But is this where it's going to go? Is this where the future is? Is it a case of, all right, we've got this going, so now we're going to pursue a storyline with Princess Ozzy going forth, trying to get the championship? I sincerely doubt that that's what they're going to do, but I would like to see them do it. I would like to. I'm just, I'm, I am mostly positive that they're not going to go in that direction. I had uh, no emotional connection to about 90% of this show. It was just a series of matches with no build. And the matches are fine, as they usually are, but nothing had any angle or story beyond the, the, the main event, which is kind of loosely knit. And uh, with the wild editors cobbled together with the Fury thing. The, the commentators are just, at this point, not to be trusted. They just aren't. They, they, they don't. It, it's like they don't even watch their own show. That's, that, that's what it's, it's starting to come off like. It's like, it's like David McClain, Stephen Dick, and A.J. Mendez do not watch their own product. Or they watch it and they just fill in the blanks wherever they see fit. This is a massive drop from the episode a week ago. Episode 44, I really enjoyed. 
I really did. I, I thought that it was probably the best thing that they had done in terms of cohesion um, <clears throat> since they have come back to television. And this just felt like such a major, major drop in that quality. This is a C minus for me. It's a C minus because out of four matches, like I said, three of them are absolutely cold and they, they don't have anything behind it. The main event match is fine, even if it did have parts in there that were kind of inexplicable, like what I said about Vicky Lee and walking to the other side for no apparent reason. But the commentators and their attempt to try and control what you think about the show, I mean, to such a blatant degree, it's, it's not even like hiding it. I will repeat all promoters that I have either watched or had the opportunity to talk to have all fabricated information on their show to some degree. It's just how blatant a fabrication are you willing to make? And WoW makes some pretty broad fabrications on their product. It's just like if they if somebody had a match one time and they won, for them that that hey, is their, their winning streak. Well, they had two matches. It's like, all right. It's what an impressive streak this person has. It's like they, they have to blow things up that are so minimal that it, it reaches the point of absurdity. Vicky Lynn has held the, the team together. This is the only reason the fans for have it. And when meanwhile, she's only done like one thing that's of note that has helped the Fabulous Four. All of these things, and there, there's several examples of that just down the line. Uh, what was it, a week ago when they had uh, Candy, not Candy Crush, sorry. They, are, they all got names that have similar uh, syllables. <laughs> when Keita Rush and BK Rhythm had the match in uh, episode 44, the week, be- the week before this, that was presented like they had a series of matches or something. When they only had a match once before, and even that match was like five months prior. So, so when they, it's those things, I was like, it really takes away the ability to watch that and, and take what the announcers and the commentators say with sincerity. David McLean, in particular, is the worst at that. Because he'd just say some stuff immediately. I I really, I really, really wish that either they would straighten up the uh the process of their commentary to where the uh where the fabrications. I was trying to find another nice word for it, but I couldn't think of something. You know, I didn't want to say lies, but where but where the uh the fluff job of of the show is that is not so blatant and apparent, and uh, maybe just maybe make it a two-person booth, and it will eliminate some of that. Some of it. I know it ain't gonna eliminate it all because he'd still be there telling what to say. But maybe if you get 
down to just Stephen Dickey and A.J. Mendez as the commentating team. And they treated it like they were going to try to show you a sport on television. And, and, you know, sprinkle in some liveliness here and there. I'm not saying get rid of it all. But just don't do it to the point where it makes the show sound absurd. That's what I'm saying. So that's, that is all that WOW has this particular week. We're going to just, you know, wait till next week and see if anything of any note comes up from it. Because, like I said, this is just a, it's a, it's a C show. It's not good. It's not bad. But it's, it's just a show and, and nothing of any note is, comes out of this. It's, I want to say something better about it, but I can't. I just can't. I don't. I don't know if there's anything that it, that can be said other than the matches were okay. So, all right. We'll, 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 you know, we'll move on from that. That that's that's a a whole different thing. Uh, before we go, I'm gonna say that, or bring up one piece of wrestling news. For you uh, women wrestling fans out there. Um, and I probably should have said this beginning out, and I'll try to make sure, I'll, I'll try to remember to do it on the next episode too. But there is a, a new United States Yoshi wrestling promotion that is set to begin in September. Um, it is due to start, uh, what is it? Is it going to be? thought they had a date i wanted to say the 11th but uh, but you know what that's that's probably <clears throat> that's probably not true and i don't want to start saying uh anything like that and just get it wrong but uh they are reportedly planning to launch in september that is what the news has been presented uh by wrestlinginc.com it also notes that uh bull nakano is also reportedly and they they use that and i want to make sure that i include that in the statements that she's reportedly involved with the joshi wrestling promotion all female joshi wrestling promotion so nothing's been uh, concrete about that but i do want to say that one of the other notes that should be uh, addressed or at least viewed by fans so they know what they're getting is that it will utilize mostly women from other Japanese promotions. Now this is to take place in on American soil and they have made it clear that they're looking to uh, use mostly women out of Japanese promotions but that not any one singular promotion so uh, <clears throat> potentially you're going to have a New Japan and uh, Stardom even though they already have a existing relationship but you could get some other ladies that are in potentially other promotions in japan this will also include women who are not from japan who wrestle in japan i guess the most notable would be mercedes monet the former sasha banks uh you also had uh, willow nightingale who's uh, uh, with aew now their ring of honor brand and she also at one point in time was with uh wow as i can it didn't last long but she was there uh 
Uh, so it is important to note how they worded that. Because I know some people are like, ah, I don't want to see it because it's gonna, you know, there's gonna be a lot of people that I'm not familiar with. That's why I wanted to make sure that we address that it will not simply be just Japanese wrestlers on American soil, you know, putting on a strong style show. That is mostly true, but they are going to have women who have wrestled in Japan, regardless of whether they are Japanese or not. So you can keep your eyes open. You might be able to see uh, Mercedes Monet there. You might be able to see Trinity Fatu. You might be able to see Willow Nightingale again. You can see any number. Legit Layla Hirsch. Who knows? Uh, any number of people who have wrestled or maybe want to wrestle for a uh, uh, Japanese promotion, this is their chance. Uh, all notes, all reports that I have read at this point, as I am recording this, have all put this out as reportedly. And I say that because without any solid uh, information that has been landed, and, and as I have looked, there has not been any solid information, you know, as far as this is what we're going to call it. This is who's going to be in it. This is what, this is what uh, where it's going to be or how much. You know, none of those things I've been able to find with any sort of uh, validity. So taking it with a grain of salt, taking the the reports for what they are, we are also being told, or we we also read that this is due to be in New York City uh, in September. Now, they didn't say where in New York City. They didn't say what venue. I would imagine a venue like a Madison Square Garden or something along those lines, probably unlikely. But I can't say that because I don't know how much money whomever is pushing this is willing to spend. So we will keep our eyes open. We'll keep looking out for it. We'll keep checking. I'm, I'm interested in seeing it. Uh, it will be quite the interesting thing to see how well it fares on American soil with American fans. I know there are fans that, that love the Japanese style, but it is kind of a niche. And, that, and you're dealing with a niche that exists within a niche. You know, you already got the niche of fans who like, <coughs> excuse me, strong style in Japanese wrestling. But now you're going to go further and get the women that exist within the strong style of Japanese wrestling. So it is it's going to be fascinating, and, and particularly when you're lining up women wrestlers in this promotion. And for that matter, uh, if, if you look outside of that and look at something like, say, Stardom, when you line up women wrestlers that are in promotions such as that and the only other viable uh promotion or organization or television show that would be comparable to that is wow well that might be an interesting thing to see how it does again you know how they will do against each other or how they are doing against each other whenever it potentially happens we will we will keep looking so that is it folks that is uh, the news and that is the the review of wow Women of Wrestling and information about the new Japanese wrestling promotion that is 
reportedly that we want to keep using that keyword there reportedly in the works for september um i i hope they make it i hope they get in here and i, and I hope i get a chance to watch it. and i hope it's accessible to watch time will tell and on that note uh please for those of you that have tuned in for this thank you very much always have to start off with a thank you that is very wonderful that you would take the time out to listen and uh for those of you that comment or send the emails uh, that you would share your opinions about it or ask whatever questions that you may feel like you need need and or want to ask uh <clears throat> thank you for all of that again wpnwrestling.com is the nexus for all of these so if you ever in question where can i go when i find it i know this goes out to greater uh, uh podcasting platforms and it also goes to youtube and to our site but the site is the central location of everything you can always click a link there and it'll take you out to the uh other things and i uh, before i even give my goodbyes also i don't know who did it but thank you for calling it to one of those <laughs> some of those ads because that does help the the, uh, uh, the show continue on. So I'm always happy when I see see that and like, wow, somebody called it. So yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it, it it means a lot. Uh, however it is, and for those of you that do those things like you know like, share, subscribe, hit the notifications, uh, <clears throat> order the shirts, whatever it is that you have done or will do thank you very much and with that this is mr green saying that this is mr green saying so long and we will see you on the next go round take care everybody thank you for listening to the wpn's rights and wrongs of pro wrestling if you have questions or comments please contact us via our facebook or our youtube channel at the women's pro wrestling network if you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>